You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. I would encourage to have an open door policy that they not, can't have it in their privacy of their own rooms. They have to do it in a public space, whether it's the family room or the kitchen, wherever it may be. If you allow them to look at the devices by themselves without any supervision, you're just asking for trouble. Now, here's your hosts, Tim and Dez. Well, welcome to this week's Momentum. It is fantastic to have you tuning in wherever you are around Australia right now. Thanks so much for doing that. We exist for you. We are by men for men and to help you just uh, do life that little bit better. If you'd like some help in that, check out our website, MomentumAustralia.org. We've got a bunch of stuff on there that will help you in your journey. And of course, you can hear previous episodes of the show. And if you feel like supporting us financially, that would be fantastic too. MomentumAustralia.org. As always, Des, my co-host and good friend, joins me this week. How are you this week, Des? You're yeah, traveling well? Yeah, really good. Uh, really, really good. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's great to be alive in such a time as this. And so we just <laughs> want to remind remind uh, the, the men about our care line. Uh, Momentum Caroline's one 800 men at 636. And that's available seven days a week, 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. And it's all about if you're on your own and you're, you, know, you, you have nobody to reach out to, another man to reach out to, uh, that you can confide in. On the care line, there's people who are ready and willing to talk to you about whatever issues you're dealing with confidentially. Uh, and so it's a really good space to go to, one 800 men Yeah. You know, earlier in the year, and you can check this out at MomentumAustralia.org, we spoke to Paul Bedwell from Youth for Christ. Paul is heading up the What's Normal program, which is a 10-week video program that teaches school students about the dangers of pornography and encourages them to kind of challenge what is considered normal in today's porn culture. It's the key question, isn't it? What's normal? The program creates a safe and judgment-free space to open dialogue and help youth think critically about the effects our porn's supposed normal culture is having on them and others. And while it's fantastic that kids have this option at schools, the bigger question is, as parents, how do we actually have the sort of conversations with our kids that we need to have? Absolutely. You know, a recent article by Danny Herter expressed seven things that we can do as parents to help our teens combat porn use. The article was recently featured on the Focus on the Family Australia website. That's families.org.au. And joining us this week to talk this through is the CEO of Focus on the Family Australia. Good friend of ours too. He's been on the show a few times. Brett Ryan, welcome back to Momentum, Brett. Great to have you, man. It's a pleasure being with you, gentlemen. You know, pornography is pervasive. We've talked about that, you know, and we we certainly have talked on the show about how that can affect men's lives in such a dramatic way. And often that starts at a young age. And so, you know, rather than, I suppose, um, the the, the cure at the end of it, let's look at the prevention, particularly for our kids. And I mean, it is so accessible. We talk about that all the time now, phones and laptops and iPads and everything. It's just a couple of clicks away. Um, Some some things here that we can do to, to help our kids um, combat their, their potential temptations, shall we say. But I suppose let's start off by by saying, Brett, from your perspective, because as parents, this is tricky, right? I mean, this is a space that is uncomfortable for everybody to sit in and talk about. Do you have some thoughts around how we can even perhaps start having these conversations with our kids? Yeah, great question. I, mean, I think it is starting earlier than we ever anticipated. Yeah. We, we have to get out of our comfort zones and have these conversations, these brave and much needed conversations. Um, I actually spoke at a school last night um, on how to talk to your kids about sex. That's basically what I was speaking about. And uh, they're asking some great questions about how to navigate this. And there'll be some 
some people who like to keep their head in the sand um, and pretend uh, it won't happen. It won't happen to me. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, my kids will never do that. Uh, my kids are good <laughs> kids, um, and for those who've got a faith, they're they're a Christian, and they won't do this type of thing. But all the research would say, yeah. and I think we spoke about this last time about for men. You know, we're seeing about. 58 to 60 percent of christian men are looking at pornography on a semi-regular basis that's in the church and then we're seeing about 30 to 33 percent of women are looking at pornography and so we think that maybe you know old adults but we're also seeing young people younger and younger i've got a friend of mine who's a child psychologist and he's dealing with eight-year-olds yeah. who are addicted to pornography oh my gosh and, uh, so how does that happen you know where do, what was happening with the Parents not being as vigilant, um, but it is one click away. And if you're not supervising your children, and we know we can put some external filters, but we have to help our young people have internal filters when it mm. comes to looking at appropriate imagery. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, one of the things that we realize is that, you know, children as young as three, three and four, lift up their father's phone. It's unlocked. And if the father's been watching pornography, there's images going into a three-year-old's mind that will never, ever disappear. And it, yeah. and it adjusts their, their whole view on women and marriage and so forth. It's a really serious issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should add that it's not just guys that have this issue. In fact, I've just recently had a, a plane ride up to Emerald in Queensland. So hello to people who may be listening to an Emerald around that area. And uh, I was speaking to a guy on the the plane next to me, and he found out what I did for a living. He was fascinated what I what I spoke about, and he said he had a mate of his that his wife was looking at their history uh, on the computer and found all this pornography. And so he was in the firing line, and he says, "Look, it's not me. Um, it's and and they couldn't even fathom who was looking at this type of information. And it turned out it was their eleven year old daughter." Wow. And, her, and, um, and how they had to navigate that and help her um, mm. realize that what she was doing, it, you know, is not only not helping her being the, the best version of herself now, but it's not seeing mm. success later mm. on. Yeah. And it's not just a guy issue. It's also a girl issue. And in fact, about 30% of habitual viewers of pornography seeking professional help uh, are now women. So it's, it's pervasive in our culture. And we, as uh, for the, the dads listening to this, we need to be much more proactive rather than reactive and start mm. having the conversations about their body and the changes that are going to happen, the physiological changes, the emotional, the psychological, the relational changes, but also talking about guarding themselves because technology and sex go hand in hand. Gone mm. are the days of looking at a magazine. Um, it's now at a click of a button on, on smartphones, tablets, desktops and laptops and so we we as parents need to be quite vigilant but we also need to teach our kids to be vigilant at the same time just one question on that brett i mean there's going to be plenty of dads who are listening to this show who really have no idea how to start having those conversations because they find them embarrassing they they you know they wish i mean you would shy away from them because they're embarrassed what advice would you give to those fathers who are struggling with that? Well, I think it starts with uh, setting up themselves for success, yeah. being informed. 
reading, getting as much information about different ways of doing that, the strategies, because what one works for one person may not work for another person. So being more uh, competent in knowledge will give you more confidence. And when you're more confident, it will come across with, you know, you may be on the inside freaking out, uh, but on the outside, cool, calm, and collected. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Someone actually asked me this question uh, uh, just recently about, you know, how do you have that conversation? How do you start? Um, do you wait for the kid to come up to you or do you go and speak to the kid? And I said, yes and no, because every child is different. Some of them, mm. I remember talking to my boys and uh, one of my sons, uh, I said, well, so how much detail do you want? And he goes, <laughs> a little bit, you know, like, <laughs> wasn't afraid of the conversation. So we need to actually um, maybe set this, the tone up. And I can give a lot of details. Being a, a former nurse, I can go into great details. I thought it was quite funny. My wife said, if we had girls, you would have been talking about menstruation. <laughs> yes, right. said, Why is that? And he goes, well, you're the nurse. And I said, well, you're a woman. You have it. She goes, I can have it, but I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but I, I say that in jest. The yeah. fact is that we have to get out of our comfort zone because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of our when our children will be exposed to that and how we approach it in a very and, and I think a key phrase, and I think I've spoken about this in the past, learn to respond, not react. Because when we react, we shut the conversation up. But when we respond, we're actually, we're, we're watching our tone, our volume, um, the way that we go about it. But, you know, our children will go at the level of their maturity and understanding. But at the same time, we need to be a little bit, push the envelope a little bit because they need to be prepared as I said, because it will it will come and hunt them down. It will, mm. It's not, it's so pervasive in our culture today. Mm. Things that were considered to be uh, porn, porn uh, a number of years ago, you know, are now seen in mainstream. And so mm. we've seen that dilution of what is is acceptable in our culture today. And yeah. that's the reason why mums and dads. And particularly dads need to be seeing the tone of how you can talk to your kids, both your boys and your girls, about the dangers that lurk right around the corner. Yeah. Brett, this is perhaps a controversial question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, do you think that some dads shy away from the conversation because they're ashamed that they are themselves watching pornography? Yeah, no one likes to be a hypocrite and children will smell a hypocrite a mile away, especially as Des was sharing, you know, they, <laughs> kids, if they find uh, an, an open uh, phone yeah. and they look and they're saying, Dad, you're telling me not to look at pornography? Why are you talking about that, you know? So no one wants to be a hypocrite. And so I think we as adults need to set the tone that if you have got this issue, and I know we've spoken about this before, if you have an issue, need to find accountability people, you need to start discerning what you allow your uh, mind and heart and spirit and eyes mm. are looking and consuming because it, it's not doing you any good now and it won't do you any good in the future. There's nothing that can justify this virtual world and it's dehumanizing women and it's actually, you know, violent and degrading and and in some certain circumstances dealing with child trafficking and, and, and sex trafficking. So it's not as, you know, like, People say, well, they're empowered and they can justify it all they like and hmm. no one's going to get pregnant and I can't get an STD and I, I deserve it and they can justify it. But it is polluting our minds and it's actually dissatisfying the reality that we live in by living in a virtual reality. And that's the reason why as dads we need to start speaking to our kids, 
role model it ourselves, have it in our own spirit of purity and righteousness, and mm. then we can actually you know, put it upon our children to say, hey, I had this issue. And maybe you have to share your own journey, you know, to say, I had this issue and I don't want that to happen to you. Brett, is there an age? Obviously, it's getting younger and it's going to differ from child to child to some degree, right? But let's be honest, right? The the, the schools still do their bit and that's that was my sex education. But aside from that, my parents, we didn't talk about that. And this was back in the 80s. So, you know, we didn't have access to this stuff. Um, kids, obviously, They've got phones and they're going to show it to their friends. So there's going to be a, an increasingly young age that kids are going to be exposed to this stuff. But let's assume that parents listening right now, if they've got a younger child, like how young is too young? But then we don't want to leave it too late either because if we, they don't hear it from us first, they're going to hear it in the playground or at school or something. So I know that's a tricky question to answer, but there's some guidelines around what sort of age we should start to think about having that conversation. It's not a tricky answer, uh, a question, because it's a simple answer. As early as their maturity uh, dictates. So even a four-year-old who understands their body and and, and the importance of protecting their body, um, you can start talking about it. Now, you don't go into great detail of sure. everything. You just go at a level, and it's an ongoing dialogue. So you're encouraging questions, and you want your children to actually um, be inquisitive and curious. And remember, no, don't react. You know, just <laughs> yeah. easier said than done. Out. Um, I often, I often joke about the the, the story of a, a um, you know a dad was a little boy came up to him about seven or eight years of age, and uh, he said, "Daddy, Daddy, where did I come from?" And the dad goes, "Oh man, I didn't think I'd have to tell you this story." Anyway, he proceeded to tell the whole story, and the kids looking at oh oh oh, oh. <laughs> and um, and then at the end of this uh, great uh, long monologue. He says, oh, well, you know, is that, do you want to know any more? And he goes, no. He goes, well, why did you ask? And he says, well, Tom says he comes from Sydney and my mate comes from, you know, Wollongong. I just want to know where I come from. So it's good to clarify uh, a, a question with a question, just to know that you're going at the level. But as I was saying before, the importance of um, allowing a space that your children can come and ask you some questions and without fear of retribution or reaction, and it mm. sets the tone. So even four-year-olds can understand about their body and protecting their body, and then progressing up uh, along the way, ongoing little bits along the way, rather than download everything all at once. Sure. And it may be because you were saying that, you know, because of their own journey and own experience, you learned in school. Uh, if I ask that question um, to an audience of 100 people, how many of you think you should speak to your children about sex? And you get about 100% of people put their hands up. How many of you are actually talking about to your kids about sex? And you might get about 5 to 10 to 10%. So mm -hmm. the knowing doing gap, but we, we don't, we shouldn't abdicate our responsibility as parents to talk mm -hmm. about and we yeah. have to get out of our comfort zone and start talking to them. And in fact, we've got a book on our website called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And that's and there's one for junior and one for senior. The junior one is from about four to seven-year-olds, and it's talking about pornography in, a, in an age-appropriate now. And then there's the other older one, which is from about eight to 12-year-olds. So there's some things, and I've actually done an interview with another uh, a pastor by the name of Joel Chalaya, and he's written a book called The Chat. And that's another how to talk to your kids about this. A great animation, and we've done a podcast on that. And there's just different ways and strategies. So the better information you have, more confident mm -hmm. you are, more confident mm -hmm. you're going to be, and you can actually start talking to your kids. So it's not about there's no age too too young, 
you don't want to talk about a two-year-old, but mm. uh, you can start talking about a four-year-old, five-year-old and progress away. Yeah. There's a couple of things there, um, Brett, you talked about that I just want to re-emphasize. And one of them is the relationship that you have with your child. And so that has to be one of openness. It has to be one of honesty and truthfulness. And and if you have those, then you've got the basis to have those conversations. If you don't have those, you're you're fighting backwards. Yeah, and relationship is the key in everything. You know, like if you want to have, if you have, uh, you want to position yourself that your kids do feel comfortable and not threatened that you're mm. going to react, and that's all mm. comes through relationship, and that is going to be uh, the challenge that you have that starting earlier and earlier is going to set you up for great yeah. success to, to set your children up so they feel comfortable that, you know, dad, yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, he's going to discipline me from time to time. I, I get that. Hmm. He loves me. Um, and, but at the same time we can have some fun together and, and we can also talk about seriously. And I, I tell hmm. you what, the best thing you can do if with your kids is have conversations with them when they're doing something, whether it's playing hmm. a game, shooting some hoops, driving in the car, Rather than look at me, look at me, look at me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just actually have these discussions and 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 make it matter of fact. And you don't have to talk about it for the whole time; just little bits along the way. It's mm, good. Create a safe space for you and your child. And if you'd like to uh, explore those books that Brett was talking about, families.org.au is their website. Families.org.au. Our special guest is the CEO of Focus on the Family Australia, Brett Ryan. We're talking about uh, seven strategies to combat teen porn use. How you can. Firstly, talk to your kids about this stuff. That's what we spent the first part of the show doing. We're going to come back in the second part and look at these seven things that we can look at to help our kids in this space. In the meantime, also check out our website, MomentumAustralia.org. I'm going to be back with Brett Ryan in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. All right, well, welcome back to the show. It is uh, Tim and Des with you once again, and we've got the uh, Focus on the Family Australia CEO with us, Brett Ryan. We're talking about an article on their website, families.org.au. It's called Seven Strategies to Combat Teen Porn Use. And we've started the show by saying, as parents and as men, as fathers, how do we start to have this conversation with our kids? How young do we do that? You know, what sorts of things do we say? And, you know, how, how can we create that relationship and that safe space with our kids? Um, let's then look at these seven strategies as we move forward into uh, the latter part of this show. And the first is teach your teen how to manage stress, which is really interesting, isn't it? Because I suppose when you look at some of the reasons why we as men and people go to pornography, it is stress relief. Yeah, and they use that as an excuse and justify their behaviours um, by saying, hey, I, I earn it, I deserve it, I'm under under the pump at the moment. And so we need to help our children be able to be self-regulating. And when they're stressed or anxious or, you know, uh, angry or frustrated, whatever their emotions are, we need to help them be able to navigate that in a much healthier way and not turn to... Pornography is one thing, but also other, you know, behaviours that aren't mm. life enhancing. And we are obviously talking about pornography today, but if they have some strategies to um, be able to manage their emotions and managing their stress by doing things that are healthy, like, for example, I mean, I, I'll use this as an example. I actually interviewed a gentleman who was addicted to pornography. This is an adult now. He started mm. his own ministry. Uh, 
in this area. And um, he uses, uh, whenever he gets that temptation, because as an addict, he's always going to be an addict. He's either going to be practicing or non-practicing. And so anytime he gets the feelings, he actually exercises. He actually does something in a very healthy way. And so mm. he, he chose uh, cycling. So, and so no matter what time of the day he would, he would be cycling. And so I'd, I'd be encouraging young uh, or parents to talk to their kids about finding different ways about, you know, either exercising um, uh, is one way to stimulate themselves, um, to be outward focus rather than inward focus. Different ways of managing a stress will help them be able to be confident to be able to say no when they're tempted. And of course, uh, that will only work if you're actually practicing it yourself. Uh, so, so this goes without saying, doesn't it? Back to being role models. Yeah, exactly. And that's so key in, that, in this conversation for, you know, for men who are listening or even mothers who are listening. You know, we must be the role models for our kids because they learn from us. Mm. Yeah. Brett, as far as exercise, that, that's good. But let's say we've got kids who don't like exercise, they don't like going outdoors. What are some things they could do indoors that might help take that pressure off, the stress off, the release? What, what sorts of other things could you suggest for perhaps more inactive kids, should we say? Yeah, it may be that they can, uh, you know, they might be musically inclined or creative. They can actually use art or, you know, uh, learning to play an instrument. Um, maybe, believe it or not, books still exist, so they might be able to start reading <laughs> books with pages. <laughs> the different things is, you know, obviously every child's unique, and so you have to find out what drives them, what motivates them, what's their language mm. of love, what fills their tank, and, and, and tap into them that and i actually also recommend to help maybe maybe i know it seems contrary but gaming is another way of managing stress mm. so i would encourage dads to even though it may not be on your wheelhouse get your kids to teach you about gaming you're you're, you're entering into their world mm. and they've got got something common denominator you're earning the right to speak into their lives because you're entering into their life and then you you'd be surprised how many great conversations can happen when you're both looking at the screen and mm. and uh, you know shooting down things and 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 you can and and something might come up and you can actually start talking about stuff mm. yeah that's good I remember when I was a kid um, we the family used to all sit around the table and play Monopoly and Cluedo and all those sort of you know in front of the fireplace and stuff and it's amazing the amount of conversations come up when you start to play games like that. It's amazing. So I'd encourage dads who are, you know, who don't do board games or whatever it is with their their kids to get up there and actually do it and build a relationship that way. It's a really cool way to do it. But I do recommend board games, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to turn to technology, uh, which was which leads us to number yeah. two. You need yeah. to start putting some limitations on technology. Yeah. And role model, because it's all very well for you to say, you know, get off your phone, and then you're on your phone yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and it sends a mixed message. Yeah. Um, but the earlier you do that and not allow technology to become their go-to babysitter, yes. uh, their, their stress reliever, um, they just do it. They think it's their God-given right to be on technology all the time. Time, but remind them that it's a privilege and you have to use this privilege wisely. So I'd be putting in some technology boundaries, but don't just make decisions for the sake of it because you can. You're the boss, you're the adult, but I would include them in the decision. You know, mm. what do you think is reasonable? And um, but do that earlier rather than later because once the horse is bolted, it's very, very hard 
Yeah. Yeah. That's that's great advice. Yeah. yeah. What about putting um, you know, some software on there, some filtering stuff as well, Brett? Do you have some thoughts around that? Yeah, there's a number of different re- well, I mean, when our boys were younger, I came across a thing called K9 and uh, and that was that was a fantastic little um, filter, but it blocked everything. You couldn't <laughs> yes. it was it was it was brutal. <laughs> You've got to do do study for different things because you couldn't find anything, especially in my line of work. Yes. Right. Right. And there's Net Nanny and there's uh, Force Field Covenant Eyes has got some great things. Um I think you've still got to try and do your your appropriate research. There's a lot of different things rather than me recommending a particular product. Um, mm. Many of the internet providers have their own filters, but we just don't know how to tap into it. So I'll contact their information um, uh, line and ask them, how do I put these things in place? Because they've got those facilities available to you. We just don't know how to utilize them. Mm. But as I think I said earlier, it's all very well to have external filters, but you need to have our children to be in, have internal filters yeah. to be more discerning. Cause all of my boys were exposed to pornography with someone brought a not so smartphone to school and that gave them the opportunity to look at things. And so yeah. unless they have that internal filter, you know, you can create yeah. all the wonderful things around your household, but they have to be able to act and live in the real world. And also there's the whole element of being, trusted and being trustworthy um, and being accountable, even as young kids, you know, it's important that they understand what the boundaries are. Um, and, you know, sometimes in society, that's not accept acceptable use of language, but, but it's, but it's real. And so, you know, we need to be able to set those boundaries. Another part would be, you know, putting some restrictions on the amount of, uh, technology they consume and mm. putting some filters, but we also have where do they consume this technology. Mm. And I would encourage to have an open door policy that they not, can't have it in their privacy of their own rooms. They have to do it in a public space, whether it's the family room or the, uh, the kitchen, wherever it may be. If you allow them to look at the devices by themselves without any supervision, you're just asking for trouble. Mm. That's number three, create an open device policy, which is interesting. I mean, what about this thought of um, routinely going through our kids' phones? Like some parents would think that that's a good thing to do. Like once a month, we just randomly grab the phone and go, no, it's time for that checkup. You know, um, (laughs) what do you think about that? Is that too invasive? Is that overstepping? Yes and no. Depending on the age their child is, um, when they're much younger, yeah, be a little bit more vigilant. Um, But as they're getting a bit older, I mean, I, I would say that you know, for kids, when I talk to it, if I'm speaking at a student presentation, I say, allow your mum and dad to be your Facebook friend. And they go, no way, I never want to do that. <laughs> and I say to them, um, you know, if why, why is it the case? Oh, they'll look what I'm doing. They'll look at what I'm, you know, consuming. I said, well, isn't that the, the important thing? If you're hiding something, shouldn't you be, uh, you know, if you're hiding something from your mum and dad, that's a concern. But I'd also say to mum and dad, you, you can be their friend, but don't be their big brother or big sister. Um, you need to be aware of what's going on and be safe for them. But it, it's a matter of that balance between prying into them, their world, their privacy, but also discerning if it's good and healthy for them. And and uh, and so I think it's, it's, a, it's a fine line. But I also encourage you, you know, you could say to your kids, Every now and then, not all the time, but every now and then I might just probe in to have a look at your history. So then your kids will yes. know that mum and dad will look at it 
Um, but then you'll also be aware that kids are pretty smart and they know how to hide different things. Yeah. Hmm. So Certainly smarter than we are probably. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. yeah. Number four comes back to what we were talking about before, Brett, and I actually really love that because that's true, right? I mean, as much as we want the external things in place, ideally we'd love our kids to have the right heart, mind, attitude, spirit towards this stuff so that we're not having to police them in inverted commas. So number four really ties into that. Teach the difference between wants and needs in our kids. I mean, that's that's a really good message. Yeah, I mean, the trouble is kids think they need technology to live. Yeah. Uh, it's like their oxygen supply is is cut off if they don't have access to technology. Mm. Uh, I can say that for adults as well. <laughs> but, you know, we need food, we need water, we need shelter, we need clothing, and we need to ideally have a relationship with God. That's what we need. Yeah. We all need that as our the best thing we can have. But one thing that a lot of people justify, and I've heard this time and time, I need sex. I need to be released. I need, and uh, that's not, that's not, you, you, you will not die without sex. You will not die. You won't explode um, if you don't have that stimulation. Um, yes. But people have distorted that and say, I need it. It's rather than a want. And so if we can start teaching our kids the discernment of what is a real need, what is a have to have, um, as opposed to a want. And so um, a, a key phrase is delayed gratification and um, and knowing that our children uh, need to learn those skills because they like everything, the biggest, the shiniest, the best, the, uh, the, the most expensive. They want it all now. Hmm. Um, and they think that that's the status. But we need to encourage them to have that delayed gratification. You can't have everything at when you say it, that's not life that's not reality and mm. so you need to lay that and that's the same thing with sexual purity you know the reason why god has sent his son uh to die upon the uh, a cross for us is to live life and life to its full that's what jesus came and a lot of people associate the bible and god by association with saying that god is always a part Pooper. He wants to spoil my fun. He doesn't mm. want me to have a great, great time. In fact, that's the opposite. Yeah. God's actually saying, hey, here are some boundaries, and I want you to stay and live your life to its full. If you stay within these boundaries, life can be awesome. But if you step outside the boundaries, there'll be mm. consequences. <laughs> so we have to teach our kids the importance of staying within the boundaries because it's good for them now and into the future. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Number five is essentially what we talked about in the beginning of the show, and that was talk about sex, oxytocin, the mindset, that sort of thing. And, and of course, if we want to do that well, we have to understand that ourselves. <laughs> so that goes back to the first one, uh, Brett, that you were talking about, uh, get informed ourselves and then be on the front foot and having those conversations. Number six, which I think is really interesting, help your team particularly cultivate wise risk-taking and decision-making. So what would you, I mean, how do we, <laughs> how do we banner wise, risk-taking, decision-making. Well, I will point out that in this day and age, kids um, are risk-averse. They're increasingly risk-averse. They're not trying new things because mm. they're fear of failure. They feel that someone will video them and put it on social media. They want to be 100% and perfect straight away. And that's, a, that's that drive that actually makes them feel, if I don't succeed, I won't try at all. But we want to encourage our kids to fail and fail forward. Making mistakes mm. is okay. Mm. Mm. 
when we want to have a, a child, they, they need to have this process. And part of you, I mean, going back to that one number five about oxytocin and the mindset, your job as parents is to be their prefrontal cortex to actually start thinking because their front of their brains are still developing. And you need to actually ask them the question, you know, have you considered, what are your thoughts about this? You're their prefrontal cortex because they're really honestly not thinking. And especially when they don't see the consequences of looking at pornography, if they're not thinking of the bigger picture. And so that's your job is to remind them of that. And the same thing when it comes to how allow them uh, their decision-making process, have you considered what do you think is the worst case scenario? And what about the, what's the best, the pro and con list, allow them to start um, filtering rather than you telling them what to do. It's better for them to come to their own conclusion and they will actually have their own aha moment, light bulb moment, more likely they're going to follow it through and own it. That's so good. That's great. Great advice. I love that. That's really good. And the final one, encourage a close and authentic relationship with God, you and others. And essentially that's what you were saying before. I mean, obviously as a parent, particularly, we want to have an open door policy with our kids and feel like we are safe spaces for them to come to, but also authentic relationship with our Lord. And of course, again, that places the emphasis on us to model that to our kids, right? Yeah. Yeah, very much so. The influence, and that could be for another podcast another time, um, about the importance of fathers and how that significantly influences the genuine faith and uh, an outward expression of that for a father has a flow-on effect to children. Far greater, not to underestimate women in any shape or form or the importance of mothers, but when dad takes God seriously and takes his church seriously, the kids will stand up and take notice. There are no guarantees there are definitely no guarantees, but your close relationship that you have with uh, with the children um, will help in certain degree, but your close relationship with the Heavenly Father will be able to think that they will grab onto. And we, we're always on show. We're always going to be role modeling. And uh, and so how you love their mother, how you love your their grandmother, all these mm-hmm. things, they're watching and observing about how you treat other people. But then most importantly, what's driving you? What's your value point? And the value point is that God is the center of me, uh, in my relationship, and I want to be able to have an outward expression. So loving God vertically will help me love others horizontally. Mm. Fantastic. It's been a great discussion based on an article uh, called Seven Strategies to Combat Teen Porn Use. You can find this on the Focus on the Families Australia website, families.org.au. And our special guest this week has been the CEO of Focus on the Family Australia, Brett Ryan. Brett, so much in this week's show. Really appreciate what you've just sown into uh, our lives as well. We've learned some stuff today, but uh, into men and families all around Australia, mate. We really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. You're more than welcome. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Momentum a show that helps men succeed in life. For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to MomentumAustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org. Until next time, keep moving forward with Momentum. Momentum.